0: Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody. Just say hello. There you go. Amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. That song we just sang, it had four verses and it was, as I said, written back in the 1700s. Isaac Watts, I have one of his leather bound hymnals from the 1700s. It's very rare. Uh, It uh, He was a groundbreaker because up until that time, the churches almost exclusively sang directly out of the Bible. And while there's nothing wrong with that, they prohibited any other kind of songs. Most of the churches did not allow anything other than the Psalms. And the Bible tells us clearly in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3 that it's uh, hymns and songs, spiritual songs, and uh, we, we do... We do love to sing straight out of the Bible. I have placed a number of Scriptures to music and uh, have sung them. You've heard me on the morning devotional, From the Shepherd to the Sheep. And, uh, and so we do that. We do that. But I also write other songs as well. And I want you to always tune in and check out some of those original songs that I've written. But uh, Isaac Watts would take the Scripture as a basis, but then he would rhyme it. And uh, so these, these four stanzas, you're not going to believe this, These four stanzas are the four common ones that are sung, but he actually wrote ten verses to We're Marching to Zion. Eventually, uh, Robert Lowry, who wrote, uh, I think, the music to the previous song that we just sang, or one earlier in the day, uh, wrote the music that is now commonly sung to it. And We Are Marching to Zion. Back in the days of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a great Baptist preacher, he would frequently, if you've read Spurgeon, I know Gable... Concur with this and others that have Spurgeon. I know uh, Tyler has Spurgeon. He'll frequently refer to what we're doing here and now, serving the Lord in the church as Zion. There's an application, and uh, whether you are on board 100% with that theologically, I, I think the the intent is correct. In other words, we're not we're not saved by grace so that we can sit and just wait till we get to heaven. But rather, we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that we might be His workmanship, so that we might be able to serve Him effectively, and that's, that's why we're here. God bless each of you for coming out today. By the way, bookstore's are going to be open, so when we go to sing "Victory in Jesus" at the end, like we always do, this little lady's going to slip out and get back there and get ready for you. That want bookstore materials. How many of you want to load up on tracks? Raise your hands. You want to get some things, some books, some Bibles, gifts, and so forth. We're going to make that available to you. Thank you so much. We do have, as has been mentioned, bulletins in the back. You can pick them up. If you wish to tap in the right place, you that are online, you can tap in the right spot and get a digital copy of this bulletin, March to Central in March. There's a lot of great things in it. Let's be faithful to the Lord Jesus and His church by attending, praying, giving, and going without fail. Let's make the local church our high priority in these days. Enclosed in the bulletin is a half-sheet flyer. And it tells us that next Saturday, the last thing you do before you go to bed, unless you've got automatic clocks, you need to turn all your clocks forward one hour. We're going to lose an hour. It's daylight saving time already. And we want you to be on time for Sunday school and church. So please, if you would, take care of that and pass that along to somebody else. They need to know about this and, uh, and be uh, here with us. I'd like to welcome our guest. Chris, who's this lady with you today? Uh, this is my wife, Joanne. Let's give her a hand. Isn't it great to see her? We've had guests and returnees, and we are so glad to see you today. Make her feel right at home after the service. We just finished up a tremendous effort. It was our sixth special effort during this time of COVID restriction. Uh, Here's what God has done. Even though we've got some here, some there, some in between, and all around, God has widely expanded our viewership and participation is up. So in spite of that, Perhaps it has been part of the cause that people are more spiritually aware. That may be it. God may have used the COVID to make us more spiritually aware and in tune with uh, His purposes. But the giving, as we saw on Wednesday night, our annual report meeting is up. All bills are paid in advance. All missions paid on time and in advance. Giving is uh, a considerable percentage above what it's been in the past. This is, to God, be the glory, great things He has done. And we have done, we've completed six projects over and above the general giving and the missions giving. And I want to give you a victory report. We had nine weeks of offerings that we took for Bibles. And these are the same as the Bible that's in front of you there. The Beams Bible, they're, they're sewn in, hard bound. And third world country Christians that could never afford one of these, would never have one of these, if they're English-speaking, they get our King James Bible. If they're some other language, it's the best Bible available, and they'll be getting it. And I challenge you uh, every week, but I challenge you one week out, let's, let's purchase 1,000 of these at $8 a piece. To our preacher, that's $8,000. And we didn't raise $8,000. We raised $8,536. Amen. 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 Praise God for 1,067 Bibles that are going to go out. Thank you so much. And our current project, the next project, some have already given by faith, you're going to use your red love offering envelope. So we use the regular envelope for our tithes and our faith promise, but the red offering envelope, write Zik, Z-I-C-K. As you know, uh, the Ziks are our missionaries to the fairs. Since the fairs are mostly closed, they've been working... The same thing with a three-door presentation, Leading Souls to Christ, at uh, flea markets and other open-air venues where they are down in Florida, and uh, doing a great job. In the month of February, Bert and Bertie Zick personally distributed over 5,000 gospel tracts on these locations, and personally led to Jesus Christ 87 men, women, teenagers, and boys and girls. And I'd say that's an investment well made. And so today, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do. I'm going to show you what's in my pocket. There it is. See? All right. So we're going to be giving to the Zicks for the next eight weeks today and seven weeks thereafter. And our goal is to raise $3,000 in eight weeks. Now, we raised $8,500 in nine weeks. So we're going to try to raise $3,000 above our regular giving. And that will help supplement their their living expense, so he doesn't have to do, please don't be offended, Gabe, so he doesn't have to do Uber Eats. In order for them to live, he had to do Uber Eats. And that's because during these difficult times, a lot of churches were not supporting. But we're going to support, not only our regular support, but supplemental support. That $3,000 will be supplemental support, which will take them May through October. Come on. Amen. Amen. So I believe it. I believe in it and I want to do it. Also in the back as, um, come on in folks, God bless you, welcome. All right, I have a publication called St. Patrick was a Baptist. I know that's going to probably really raise your interest level. You're going to have to wait until you get out in the foyer. Take as many as you want. On the back is the plan of salvation. But you've always been told otherwise, but St. Patrick uh, was the son of a Baptist, an independent Baptist deacon He was not an Irishman. He was a Briton. And uh, he was kidnapped by pirates and sold to a Druid chief in Ireland. He escaped, got saved, and God spoke to his heart about going back to the ones who had enslaved him, the Druids and all of those. And for 33 years, he was a missionary to the Emerald Island. He didn't drive the snakes out or do the shamrock thing or any of that. That's a bunch of Blarney from Killarney. But... uh, The truth of the matter is, he believed just like we did. We've got his writings. He was, by conviction, a Baptist. And uh, and you can, without starting fights, don't start fights. On the 17th of March, which is a Wednesday, I'm wearing red. Red is for the the martyr's blood. It's for the Baptists who died for the faith. When people ask me why I'm wearing red, I'll tell them it's because of Jesus and Patrick was a Baptist. Go ahead and take that. Please don't start a fight, though. All right. Next uh, next Saturday we complete our current series of uh, Bible institutes. It's 15:06, and we will not be uh, having people here on site during the showing of that YouTube. That YouTube will be on YouTube at three o'clock on Saturday, 15:06. We'll finish out the life of Abraham. You need that. You want that. I hope that you will get it. You're invited. Thank you so much. Missions giving's been good. We're at two months, 16,000 plus. We're on track for almost $100,000 this year in faith promise. Next week I'll make available the day of the crucifixion. You've been told that Jesus died on Friday, and somehow you squeeze three days in between Friday and Sunday. It doesn't work that way. Jesus was 72 hours in the grave as Jonah was in the heart, the belly of the whale. So shall Jesus Christ be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. There's no way you can get it with the Friday. The Friday is, is based on a misunderstanding. There were, two, there were two days called Sabbath during the week that Jesus died that year. There was a high Sabbath, and that was Wednesday, uh, beginning Wednesday night into uh, Thursday, and, uh, or Wednesday, excuse me, beginning Tuesday night into Wednesday, because the Jewish days are different from the Gentile days. It's all explained on the chart, and you'll be able to see it as we make those available to you uh, here starting next week. So, let's march. Let's march in the month of March. Let's march to Central Baptist Church. We had, a many years ago, a promotion called March to Sunday School in March. And we had a promotion with uh, all the classes and the buses participating, trying to get people to get revived and get excited uh, through this promotion to do what they should do anyway. What we're doing now is without pressure. We're telling people we love them, God loves them, we miss them. We hope that they can come back. But we believe that uh, as soon as they are comfortable and they are confident that they're going to be okay back here, they'll come back. And whatever is not filled, we will fill with soul winning and visitation, and we will do what we can do to carry out the will of God. When we were much younger... We had the privilege of pastoring the two fastest-growing churches in two separate states. God gave us the fastest-growing church in the state of Pennsylvania in 1977-78, and uh, that was in a little place called uh, Belvernon, and that church grew. In fact, it's referred to in an article that appeared. This is an old yellowed copy of The Sword of the Lord, and the date on it, Gabe, is... Uh, Friday, December 16th, 1977, there's Dr. John L. Rice, who was alive at that time. And uh, down here is T.T. Shields, who was a giant of the faith, of fundamentalism up in Toronto, Canada. But then right over here, there's some young upstart by the name of Winnegar. It looked like my own grandson there. All right. And Dr. Rice had asked for permission to print my article on promotions. And uh, what I said was, I've been the pastor here at Metro Baptist Temple of Belvernon." Vernon, 18 weeks in that time our attendance has grown from 45 to an average of 400 with a high day of 415 we have souls saved every week and have had 382 public professions of faith during that period of time may the dear Lord Jesus receive all the glory for these results and I say that truly because um, whereas uh, you know when we first come out of the shoot, we think we're the best thing since sliced bread or peanut butter uh, I have found out there's a lot of, lot of things that are more important than we are And God blesses us and allows us the privilege of being part of His great work. We saw a lot of folks get saved in that ministry. And then later on in our previous ministry, 1986-87 in Northern California, we had the fastest growing church. And I won't give you the numbers there. But uh, in this particular article, we talk about promotions. And the philosophy was this. Anything that's not prohibited by Scripture will be willing to do in order to encourage people to come and hear the gospel and be saved. As long as it's not prohibited by Scripture. We want to be careful. We want to be wise. But other people say, well, it's never been done that way before. We've never seen it done. And that's exactly what they said in the book of Acts. They said, we've never seen it done on this wise. We've never seen it happen that way. And somebody's un- unfamiliarity with how God chooses to work is not a proper disclaimer. It's not a reason not to serve the Lord. Any way we can serve God. And that's why I thank God for you that have been very, very creative during these restrictive times. You've been, you've been uh, careful to uh, observe cautions and to, uh, to observe people's uh, feelings and uh, to look at the situation in that light. But, but not to be, as I expressed this morning, not like a bull in a china shop. When it comes to inviting people to church. It's got to be a matter of what's on their heart. We go to church because of what's in our heart. Uh, we go to church because the Lord loved us first and we loved Him uh, back. Uh, we don't go to church because we have to. And that's what we need to understand. So don't be a bull or, in the case of a female, a bullet. But instead, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, early on in all of this, there are all kinds of new rules that we had to get used to. We had to be able to get proper legal assistance. I personally have sought and received legal assistance from four or five different attorneys or groups of attorneys and legal organizations. And so I know wherein we stand. I know how important it is for us to do things decently and in order. I know what the state law says. I know what I know what the governor said in his executive orders. I can tell you the numbers. I can almost tell you the location in the various orders but our governing documents are so important especially if there's a legal action and this is what I was bringing up at the annual business uh, the uh, report meeting Wednesday night we voted on some things that just seemed like they should be automatic you know just the common sense items but we had to vote on them because our documents have to reflect our practice our beliefs have to be reflected in our documents, and we have to live and walk out what we state. It's very important that we do that. For example, there is something that a lot of people don't think about. If you call me up and you say, Pastor, there's COVID at our house, or there's COVID among our relatives. I have to have permission from you to repeat that in print or verbally. Now, you would not think that that would be necessary, but under the law, that is absolutely necessary. I can't repeat, if if one of your relatives, let's just give a hypothetical. If one of your relatives spoke to me and said, uh, pray for John, I'll use your name. Pray for John, he's, he's got COVID. I could not report that legally unless I got permission to put John's name up for prayer or whatever to even report it. There are... There are limitations. Uh, And and here's what Dr. Um, Excuse me, Attorney Gibbs had to say. What if a pastor learns that someone is COVID positive during counseling session? Can he share this information with others? Or would this be considered a HIPAA violation? It is a HIPAA violation. It is a HIPAA violation for me to report something like that. And you say, what would that do if you just wanted to pray for somebody? What I do then is I say, John has an unspoken request, or there's an unspoken for John. Now, if I don't want you to think that John has COVID, and he doesn't have it, then I say, John has an unspoken request about XYZ or some other thing, and it's not COVID. I can put it's not COVID. I can say that. But if... John doesn't give me permission to put that. That's why we have had some unspoken requests. Now, does everybody understand what I just said? We have to do things that are decently in order. We want to pray for everybody, but we want to be absolutely legal and scriptural in every respect when it comes to dealing with our people. You have feelings. You have your own parameters, your own boundaries. And we respect those. And if you don't believe that already, I think I've made that pretty clear to every person here. We're going to look at our scripture very quickly as time remains in Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're turning in our Bibles to that great passage of scripture. As I said, we don't know who the human writer of Hebrews was, but we know that. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we know that the book of Hebrews is the Word of God. The style of chapter 13 kind of gives it away, and I really truly believe that this is the 14th book that Paul wrote by inspiration, but I can't prove it. And I won't be able to prove it to you until we're on our way up in the rapture and then I'll say, see, I was right. But anyway, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. The key word in Hebrews is better. Better. Jesus Christ is better than any Old Testament symbol or type that may have represented Him to those people who had not yet uh, encountered Him. Those that did not yet know Him. There were things such as feasts and sacrifices and the Levitical priesthood, and the tabernacle, later the temple, that are all outlined in the first five books, specifically the book of Exodus and Leviticus, but also all five books, we have references to those things that are symbols or types. They're pointing ahead to Jesus Christ. We got used to the idea that a Savior was coming. We knew from Genesis chapter 3 that He was on His way. We didn't know when He would come, And 4,000 years after the Garden of Eden experience, Jesus Christ arrives by virgin birth. Why? Predicted? Prophesied? Yes, absolutely. Isaiah said, A virgin shall conceive. Why a virgin? Because your sin nature and mine is passed to us by our human father. And Jesus Christ had no biological human daddy. He was and forevermore is the sinless Lamb of God. Aren't you glad? Otherwise, Jesus would have died on the cross and He would have been a martyr, not a Savior. He'd have been a dead martyr, but He's a living Savior today. And praise God for that truth. I'm glad that Jesus Christ is the real deal. And He was prophesied for 4,000 years. He comes on the scene, fulfills all kinds of Scripture. It would be impossible if it were not a God thing. It is a God thing that Jesus Christ came and He fulfilled all that Scripture. All that was written, all that was documented ahead of time, They have said, if you took the number of atoms in the known universe and counted them, they would be less in number than the odds of Jesus Christ fulfilling all the scriptures that He fulfilled when He came the first time. Now, I know Jesus Christ came the first time. There are more witnesses to the life and miracles and the teachings of Jesus Christ We've got them listed in Scripture above 500. We, we know that there are more witnesses than there were those witnesses of the presidency of George Washington. I believe in George Washington. I didn't save me, but I believe in him. I believe he existed. I believe he was first president. I believe he was one of the founding fathers. But I believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible says so. And everything in the Scripture is true about him. He came the first time. I also know that what the Bible says about what He'll do for me is true because guess what? I've experienced what the Bible says a person who receives Christ will experience. So I have also that subjective take on the objective truth. Anybody who doesn't believe it probably hasn't experienced it. Those who've experienced, uh, they're like the woman at the well. They just got to tell. They go around and tell everybody about it. You can't shut them up, can't keep them quiet. They just have to share it with everybody. If my Bible says in all those different places that Jesus was going to come the first time, and He did, and fulfilled all of those scriptures in detail that the Bible said He would fulfill the first time, how many of you believe what the Bible says about Him coming the second time? He's coming again, the Bible says so. He's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to split the heavens. He's going to take His bride, His chosen ones to Himself. And then seven years later, he's going to come back in the second part of the second advent. And we're going to be riding on horses. And there's the battle of Armageddon. I mean, all kinds of stuff is going to take place. So that's all very fantastic. What about, I mean, that's all the sweet by and by. What about the nasty now and now? All right, here it is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. He's talking about something that's going to take place after the First covenants, eight covenants in the Scripture. This is the, the, the final covenant, the new covenant, that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. There it is. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When God's Word is operative in my heart and life, when He's working in and through you, guess what? He changes us from the inside out. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what happens to a person who receives Jesus Christ. That's the born-again experience. Born-again is not a reference to a church ritual. Now, we do baptize believers who have received Christ and upon their profession of faith, we show their identification with Jesus Christ. Death, burial, resurrection. Also, death to the old way of living, uh, resurrection life, to, to walk in newness of life, and the fact that Jesus is coming and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we, which are alive, will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. That's baptism. Baptism, that tank of water, has absolutely no saving power, no spiritual power in it whatsoever. It is a symbol, it is a picture of what the Lord has done. But what he's done in my life and what he's done in your life is he's started from the inside out and made us brand new. And when we put the Word of God in our life, we can actually, we have the wherewithal to actually live it out. Now look at verse 17. We're in Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That reminds me of the scripture that says, as far as the east. Let's see, that would be east is from the west. So far have I separated you from your sins. And he's speaking in that same same vein about putting them in the bottom uh, of the deepest sea. Well, the Mariana Trench is the deepest part that we know, and that's so far down there you can't even get there to work down there at the bottom. I mean, if you're a swimmer, you know that that is going to happen. The pressure is so great. The distance is so great. We're talking about 40,000 feet plus. And Jesus has put our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west and buried them in the deepest sea. And then the Lord says, I will remember them no more. God, who knows everything, has so willed it that He will not... It doesn't come up. The record doesn't come up. It doesn't come up anymore. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, all your sins, past, present, and future, in terms of your salvation, are forgiven and forgotten by God. That is a miracle. Now, where remission of these is, no more offering for sin. So guess what? We don't have to go down to the temple, kill a lamb, kill a bull like they did in the Old Testament. Those were all types. Those were all pictures of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Guess what? We don't have to do that anymore because the last lamb has already died. Praise God for that. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, and this is a reference to the tabernacle setup or the temple setup of the Old Testament. All those things were specifically laid out, given to Moses, written down by inspiration, how the priest, how the high priest would take the blood uh, once a year, go around the other side of the veil that separated everybody from the most holy place where where the Shekinah glory of God was, where the very presence of God was, and he would take that blood and he would pour that blood on the mercy seat. And then he would step back and he would say these words, It is finished! It's done. It's done. Now that blood took care of that situation for them. But guess what? The blood of Jesus Christ keeps on cleansing and 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 keeps on cleansing. cleansing cleansing. Forever and ever. Praise God. He remembers my sins no more. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh to save his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Now, who's that high priest? Book of Hebrews, back in chapter 4, says that we have a, a great high priest. That high priest is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He, that is, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another... Here it is, to provoke unto love and to good works. This is what we do when we encourage people to live the Christian life. This is what we do when we disciple. This is what we do when we try to help people along the way. One of Gabe's favorite songs, If I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living is not in vain. If I can help somebody, if I can help somebody. Just think about this. If God didn't have a plan for us after He saved us, why did He leave us here? Come on now, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and all your sins are settled, past, present and future, taken care of. It says so in First John and chapter number one and verse seven, His blood cleanses us from all sin. That's it. If we're cleansed, if He took care of all of our sin, and you know we can go to heaven then, the answer is, He didn't save us just to go to heaven. We're on our way to heaven, and we're going to heaven. And that's been secured for us by Jesus Christ. But He's left us here because He's got something for us to do. He wants us to make a difference. He wants us to do more than just make somebody happy. And it will make them happy if we help them come to God through Christ. But He wants us to help people to see the truth. That's it. So we're to provoke them unto love and to good works. That's a very strong word, that word provoke. It doesn't mean, you know, just tease and go and give them a hard time. But it means to help them along, to move them along not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what my preference would be, but there are some folks who are not yet able to get out. And as long as we can get the truth to them, praise the Lord. And that's what we're going to try to do. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, I heard a guy one time totally misinterpret this. He said, that means if... You sin, you're going to lose your salvation. Well, then everybody who ever was saved has lost their salvation because everybody who was ever saved and lives one millisecond beyond that has the potential of committing sin because we've still got an old nature. You and I are going to lose our way until Jesus takes us home. Then praise the Lord. You know, part that doesn't want to go to be with Jesus right now, it's the old nature because it's not going. It's going to stay here. That's it. It's gone. But you and I, huh, we're, going to, we're going to go and be with the Lord and praise God for that. So what does this mean? For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remains no more sacrifice for sins. What it means is Jesus is not going to die a second time. And any religious rituals that has Jesus dying over and over and over and over again is unscriptural because the Bible says he died once for all. Once for all. How many of you have seen that in the Bible? Raise your hand. I know you all sung the hymn, Once for All. Amen. And that's exactly it. So this means, guess what, folks? There is a standard for those who are saved that by God's grace we can live if we allow Jesus Christ to live through us. So let's live up to that name. Let's live up to that standard by the grace of God. Let's let Jesus live out of our life. For those who have simply, as some of the folks in the book of Hebrews had done, just were approaching, but hadn't yet received Jesus Christ. They had sampled, but they had not taken in and consumed, You know, had not been saved at this point, but they were just kind of getting close to whatever, and they've gone back to old things. And that's, that's the problem, going back, going back. Then the writer is saying to those people, what more could you want? And I want to ask you, what more could you want than Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, he got my sins on him, your sins, everybody's sins. For whosoever will may come. Coming off the cross, being buried, three days, three nights later, rising from the dead victoriously, alive forevermore. What more could He do? He's done everything that needs to be done. That's it. Therefore, we need to call on the Lord. We need to ask Jesus Christ into our life. We need to allow Him to have control of our heart and life. That's what it is. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. What a terrible thing for someone to die and go to hell. What a terrible thing for someone to come to church and hear the gospel and not get saved and die and go to hell. What a terrible thing. I can't think of anything worse. No excuse. No excuse. All right. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done re- despite under the Spirit of grace. Right now we're living in the age of grace. Right now we have opportunities to get saved. We have opportunities to live for God. We have everything, all the wherewithal provided whereby we might live victoriously and have a happy life. God wants you to be satisfied, and God wants you to have fullness, and God wants you to have a happy home, and God wants you to have a successful business life, God wants you to raise your kids uh, to the glory of God, God wants you to have, God is not the bad guy, you know, God, God is not some, some nasty old man who locks you in the attic and only opens the door three times a day to feed you spinach, God wants you to be happy, God wants you to be joy filled, He wants you to be fulfilled. I tell you, the one who doesn't want you happy, the one who wants to spoil it for you, is the devil. The world of flesh and the devil offer you all of this candy, or whatever it is, that you know, spiritually speaking, or in the world, or in, in your life, and then pull the rug out from under you. Because he knows where he's going. He can read the back of the book. And he wants company. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense. I'll pay back, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people... Now this is to his people. Here's the verse. Jonathan Edwards preached on it. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There was a little short, wizened up guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Back in 1730-something, he held up a manuscript. He was so hard of seeing, couldn't see, that he had thick spectacles. And he held the manuscript, you know, right up there like this. And he had people sitting in the freezing cold up in New England. And they were sitting on benches, cold benches, and no heat. And for two or three hours, he preached in a droning voice. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the Spirit of God came on that place so strongly that people fell off those benches in conviction, crying out to God for mercy. And that was the beginning of the first great awakening. It swept through the colonies. And had we not had that first great awakening, our revolution would have been a bloody one like the French Revolution. Instead, it was the American uh, War for Independence. It was vastly different from what was experienced in France. That's to the credit of those preachers who preached it. He wasn't the only one. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want all believers, I want all of America today to understand that God is not to be trifled with. When everything's said and done, we need to honor that holy God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great uh, fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, that is, sharing, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast Not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I've just given you the lion's share of that Scripture and some quick... Uh, interpretation so that you can take it with you today now we have a challenge we have a challenge to come to God's house whenever we're able whenever we can or at least or at least partake of the IT opportunity to view it there are people right now who would love to change pa- places with you they live in California they live in California And they watch this. They're watching right now. And they would like to be right here on site with us every service. All across this country, there are people who would like to be in this church. I am not saying that I'm anything special. I'm not even bragging on you as people. But I'm saying what God is doing is so special. If you recognize How He's moving in hearts and lives in spite of whatever may be going on outside these four walls. That is a God thing. That is a real spiritual moving that's taking place. When I read in the Bible, and and I share it with you, and God the Holy Spirit speaks in my heart, He is saying, Amen, Amen, Amen. And if I weren't doing the preaching, I'd be amening myself. Because this is true, and this can be applied. I know that in these perilous times that Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, those dangerous times that men are lovers of, them all, of their own selves. And, and there are many, many, many characteristics that are listed for us in that third chapter of 2 Timothy. But I want you to know that we don't have to succumb to the, to the temptation and to the draw and the pull of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We have an opportunity to be separate and to be different and to stand up for Jesus Christ. We are not victims, but we are victorious in Jesus Christ. We're marching to that heavenly sign. In the meantime, we are accompanying together as we are able in order to get out the word of God. As soon as we are able, we will will continue in, in things that happened before all the restrictions. But right now, it is what it is. And we're making the most and making the best of what God has given to us and how He has given us this opportunity to share it with the lost and dying world. I want to say to you that are viewing today, if there's any way, if there's any way that we can bring a church like this to you. I know we're we're helping in different places to start churches. If we can bring a church like this to you, we'll do it. You you need a fellowship. Koinonia means in common. You need a fellowship, a community of faith. You need believers. The devil would like us to not have that closeness in terms of fellowship, of having the same heart, the same belief. In the New Testament church, they were all together in one place and they were in one, what? Accord. In one accord. They were lined up. They were believing and practicing the same things. In the years that have ensued since the founding of the church by Jesus Christ, there have been many local assemblies and many of them have been wonderful New Testament churches. This is a New Testament local, independent, Baptist church. But I want you to know we have the potential also to let the world, the flesh and the devil be in charge. If we do not allow Jesus Christ to live out of our life, if we are not yielded and submissive to the Holy Spirit, if we're not following the precepts of the Word of God, it's very possible for a person to say, well, it's the United States of America. It's a free country. I'm going to create a church. And here's the kind of church I want. I want it to be like this and this and this and this. Like a smorgasbord. Like a religious smorgasbord. Go down to the buffet and pick out what you want leave what you don't. And there are lots of places that are doing that. You say, aren't they church? No, they're religious smorgasbord. Because... We believe in the whole counsel of God. We believe in the entire Bible from cover to cover. It is all God's Word. It's all given by inspiration. And all of it points to a Savior. What is the theme of the Bible? Who can tell me the theme of the Bible? The theme of the Bible is redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Say it. Redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says how many have sinned? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what is the price tag on our sin? The wages of sin is death. But what? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do you get that free gift? You say by joining the church, by getting baptized, by, by, uh, uh, by keeping the, uh, the ordinances or the sacraments or, or, uh, or whatever. No. Here's how you get it. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. So God accounts it as righteous. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, not hope to be, shall be saved. Either, listen, (laughs) it's like, the boat's pulling out from the dock. you got one foot on the dock. you got one foot on the boat. Are you in the boat or on the dock? Or are you going to end up in the water? Okay? you gotta, you got to make a choice. You say, I'm undecided. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, but by Jesus. He's the way. He's the only way. There are no other options. He's the the door. He's the way. He He is the path of life. We need to know for sure that we've received Him, that our loved ones have received Him, and we need to allow Him to have control of our life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, nobody looking. With heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you today would say, preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart? Slip your hand up. Come on. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. I don't need to tell you again, but I'm going to just because I want to. God loves you more than I can tell you. And He's done everything that needs to be done for you to have eternal life and to have the fullness of joy. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not sure that you've done it. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Would you pray from down deep inside silently? Pray to God. Here's what you pray. I'm going to help you. Pray something like this. Dear God, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die.
1: God sent His Son